This is Transistor.fm. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Product People Show. This is part one of my conversation with Jason Cohen. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on this. Uh, back, uh, how long ago is this now? Uh, November 30th, I was skiing with my family. And as often happens, I'm out in the mountains, I'm on the chairlift, I'm away from technology, and do some of my best thinking when I'm on the chairlift. There's, it's, I'm free of distractions. So as I'm heading up the chairlift, this thought pops into my head. You know, the founders of MailChimp waited six years before going full-time on their SaaS. And in the meantime, they were consulting, allowing app revenue to grow on the side. And I also realized this was true for other bootstrappers I admired, like Todoist, Wildbit, Basecamp. And if you've been following my story in the last year, you know that John, Buddha, and I are building and trying to grow Transistor.fm, the podcasting platform that is hosting this very show. And I thought instead of heaping, you know, expectations on our new startups, what if we just gave them time to grow? You know, like MailChimp. Instead of hustling for immediate growth, should we just focus on slow, steady gains? Anyway, so I went back to the hotel for lunch and I tweeted this tweet that I'll include in the show notes that was said, MailChimp was a side project for six years. Todoist was a side project for four years. Basecamp took two years before it was paying their salaries. Maybe the rest of us shouldn't be in such a hurry. And it blew up. I think it has like 9,000, 10,000 likes right now and thousands of retweets. And, you know, lots of people replied to it uh, kind of with affirmation saying, you know, this is how long it took me to grow my startup, six years. Um, one fellow, Rob Belcher, said that he'd done a survey of 950 B2B SaaS and showed that the median time to $1 million in annual recurring revenue is six years. But I got one reply from, or a series of replies from Jason Cohen, and uh, he was kind of being a little bit, um, you know, counter to the flow, which is very Jason. And he said, it's, you know, difficult to find successful companies where the founders didn't work really hard, long hours. And, um, you know, saying that it should take three years is wrong. It's hard to find companies that live and took that long. All of this, by the way, is in a blog post I published, justinjackson.ca slash side project. Anyway, so there was a little bit of a Twitter kerfuffle. And I thought, well, the best way to actually understand someone's perspective is to reach out to them and have a conversation. And so that's what I did uh, with Jason. And it was awesome. Uh, we did it as a live stream. And this is part one of that conversation. Now, before we get into it, two announcements. Number one, MegaMaker Club, my community, my private community for bootstrappers that we've been running since 2013, is going to be opening up spots again here in December and January. So if you've been wanting to join, go and sign up for the waiting list. MegaMaker.co will get you there. 
uh, or megamaker.co slash club if you want to go right to the sign-up page. Uh, and I'll be sending out invites shortly in batches. Second announcement is that John and I are considering doing a podcast in 2019 program. And so you can find out more about that podcast2019.com, especially if you are employed and your employer wants a podcast, this will be a great fit. All of the details are right there. All right, that's a really long intro. Sorry about that. Let's get into part one of my conversation with Jason. So I'm here with Jason Cohen. Hi, Jason. Hey, thanks for Uh, having me. Jason is the founder of WP Engine. And uh, it's been a while since uh, the last time I saw you was quite a few years ago at MicroConf, I believe. Last time you spoke. Mm Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance, but congrats on the the funding. You guys just raised two hundred and fifty million at WP right. Engine in January, yeah. And that was based on, I think, a hundred million dollars of revenue from two thousand seventeen. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be interesting to start because I'm I've never worked for a company bigger than a hundred people. How how big is WP Engine now? A little over six hundred. Six hundred people. Not all in Austin, though. Right. So when you get to that scale, I'm, I'm thinking you're making $100 million a year. That's a lot of cash flow. Why raise money? At that scale, why, what, what's the, the benefit of raising money when you're already making you know, that much cash? Yeah. I mean, well, the question is, why would you ever raise money? Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if you, even if you are one person, uh, right? But who needs someone else telling you what to do ever? Yeah. And who needs anybody asking questions? Um, I thought the point of being an entrepreneur is you get to decide things. Yeah. Without, without consensus, or at least only consensus with other people you've chosen. So, yeah. I mean, why do it at all? So, I mean, in general, the answer is actually really obvious um, for anyone uh, with any business, which is there's always more crap you want to do than you have money for. Mm-hmm. And maybe that starts running out if you're Google or Microsoft and actually have quite literally a hundred billion dollars in the bank and making money and, and you, you really can't spend it fast enough on things that, 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 uh, that matter to you or that are strategic to you at that point, mm-hmm. then I guess it changes. But WP engine started as a bootstrap company. I bootstrapped it for two years before raising any money. And of course the company before that smart bear was bootstrapped the company before that it watchdogs was bootstrapped in other words all the companies i've made are bootstrapped so although now we're obviously in a very different trajectory you know my 20 year career has always been in bootstrapping companies until wp engine and and even including at the beginning so you know to me that's that's my mentality is who needs other people's uh, opinions uh, but then again it would be nice to have some money cuz it's hard to find a business where you can't say look if you had an extra 100 100 grand or 500 grand do you know what you do with it? Usually the answer is yes. And in general, mm-hmm. that answer remains yes, but the, the, the size of the money scales with the business. Like at this moment, no, there's nothing we could do with an extra 100K. We yeah. can't even hire one person for an extra 100K. So no, that's not helpful at all. Um, but it's always true that there's some initiative that where the size of the initiative, um, it's bigger when you have more revenue and, and therefore more aspirations for what you want initiatives to do. Mm-hmm. Where useful to have money ahead of the money coming in from the customer. Of course, that's also why you should charge annuals, because that's another way to get money faster than you'd otherwise get. 
for example. So there's, there's several ways to do that sort of thing. It's interesting thinking about things at different scales. You have this very famous uh, microconf talk called, I think it was how to bootstrap, uh, what was it? It was basically how to bootstrap the right... How to build a, 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 a cash machine. Yes, how to build a cash yeah. machine. And Ben Ornstein wanted to know, is this... It, has anything changed since you've given that talk? Would you change your mind on anything? No. Okay. So the principles, maybe just for the, the folks that are watching, could you go through the principles that you talked about in that video? Um, I remember some of them, but there's a few things you hit on. And um, yeah, one of them was annual renewals, but... It felt like there was a few principles there. Well, geez, it's like five years later or something, so I'll have to think too. Um, basically, uh, the, the way the, the high level way I think about it is, um, it's very hard to make any business work. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to take in more money than it costs to run it, especially if you're being honest about your cost per hour, your opportunity costs. You know, I made three hundred dollars this month. Well, if your time is free, then no, you didn't. Yeah, right? that's not true. So when you're really being honest about what, what opportunity costs and everything, it's really hard for any business to not lose money. That's it's difficult. So 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 coming at it from that standpoint, and also from the view of like, and also you don't have extra cash, because again, um, the whole point of bootstrapping is to not raise money. So so you have to it has to be self-fulfilling. So given these constraints in this problem, how do you make it easier? Like let's it's already almost impossible. Let's not add more difficult things on top of those things. Yeah. Now now I'm just cru- now you're just being crushed. It's too difficult. So that's kind of where I came from with that is like, so, so what are the things that make it at least a little bit easier? Because we need all the help we can get when we're bootstrapping a new company. So, for example, um, WP Engine's a bad company to bootstrap in retrospect. But I did say this in the talk because <laughs> we have to be on 24-7. Mm-hmm. If anything hiccups in the middle of the night, we have to be on it. That's what the service is because we host websites. Websites always have to be up. That's bad if you're bootstrapping because it's expensive to do crap 24-7. Yeah. Is someone always awake or someone's being paged? Just trying to get a team who can answer questions 24-7 is a lot more expensive than it sounds mm-hmm. because you say, well, I'll need a couple of people because otherwise you can't go to the bathroom. Um, so I need maybe three people. But what about the weekends? Okay, so I need some more people. And there's three shifts. So that's three even like I'm trying to get the minimum team. Minimum team would be three people, three shifts is nine, but that's just the weekdays. So I need weekends, and there's only two days in the weekends. You probably need overlap. So already we're up to like 12 or 13 people. What about managers? Yeah. We need at least, I don't know, one per shift or something. So wait a minute. Now we're up to like 18 or something like this. Um, what about holidays? And what if someone gets sick? Like you're a team of like 15 to 20. Easy if you're actually honestly and and, and or in an organized way going to have 24-7 support. That's ridiculous. Like nothing I just said is right for a bootstrap company, yeah. right? Nothing. No, no, not at all. I'm just I'm just making the point of like these little decisions like whatever the product is, it shouldn't be so important that you need to you need someone up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Let it be a tool people use and if it's down for a day, it's it's not ideal, but it's okay. Or it's not even a SaaS thing in the first place, so it's there's no such thing as being down. Um or 
that people don't need tech support instantly. It's okay if you provide support instantly. And in fact, usually the smaller the company is, the more instant the tech support is. Yeah. Ironically, support is amazingly good at small companies, mostly because there's not that much of it. And it's fun because you're talking to customers. It's really half product development, half, pro- half customer, uh, customer service when it's small. This is all a good thing, by the way. I'm not, this is a good thing. Yeah. It's when you get bigger and it's like, okay, we actually need a function to do this and that's harder and now we have to organize it. And all of a sudden it, it gets much more expensive and difficult. So, um, so, but still, so you probably will give more or less instant support, but it needs to be okay not to, cause you're asleep and they're in another country you know, they're around the world or because you just need a break or you need, or you have a day job. And so you can't answer the phone in the middle of the day, or at least you're not supposed to. Um, and it's good to bootstrap with it while you have a day job. We were talking about this on Twitter. That's a good thing, yes. but it also means you kind of need, you, you need to pick a thing where you don't need to do tech support at two a at two p.m. your your local time. You can wait till the evening where you where it's okay to do it. That has to be okay. Now again, you can do it anyway. You, not, these aren't hard and fast rules that can never be broken. Not no rules are. Yeah. But it just makes it easier because you've selected something that is more more easy for that. So, how are you doing? How are you interacting with customers? That's that's that comes down to. Do you have to do sales or not? In what way do you have to do sales? Does that have to be in person? That makes it even harder. For example. Um, you could say uh, certainly pricing, pricing too low just makes it impossible. So if you charge $10 a month, you just need too many. You need at least 1,000 customers just to get to like a basic run rate that means you could quit your day job. Mm-hmm. And uh, 1,000 customers is very hard to get to. It took uh, at least two and a half years for WP Engine to get to 1,000 customers. We now have 90,000 customers, but it takes a long time to get started. Every one of our competitors, every one, took more than two years to get 1,000 competitors. It's not like it got easier once we trailblazed the market, maybe it got easier. Nope, still hard. Mm-hmm. At SmartBear, it took, um, it's a little different because our price point was higher, but uh, um, it, it took a long time to get there. Other companies you've heard of, like, um, uh, like, uh, um, um, well, like a lot of a lot of the typical things, Patrick McKenzie's com- uh, companies, um, uh, even FreshBooks. These companies took a long time to get to something like a thousand customers. Therefore, you can't charge just ten dollars. Mm-hmm. It takes freaking long to get the thing going with enough revenue. Yeah. So you also can't charge. Well, actually, you could charge a thousand dollars and sell a few. That's a really interesting way to go. More likely is something like a fifty dollar, hundred dollar price point. In other words, something where. You don't have to do something Herculean in terms of sales or features in order to justify the price. Yeah. Um, but you can get two, three hundred customers and quit your day job, not a thousand. That there's a big difference. Another reason there's a difference between the two hundred and the thousand customers is to get a hundred customers, maybe two hundred. Um, you can kind of just force it with crawling, clawing, scratching, getting, calling people on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, doing guest posts, doing podcasts like this. Just like work, just really working hard. You can maybe eke it out if it's a product people really want. You can yeah. maybe eke into a hundred customers, two hundred customers. So it's great if that's enough to like be able to do it full time. That's great. A thousand customers, you can't just do that and get to you, it's going to be more um systematic mm-hmm. adwords has to work okay or maybe it's pinterest ads or maybe you, you've been writing for a while and so you actually have an audience or maybe it's an email list that you build up over time and then finally that starts yielding obviously there's a million ways that it can go but uh you're not going to just scratch and claw and just kind of force it to get to a thousand not going to happen yeah so again so that because the dynamics are different and how that works therefore so that kind of tells you the price point of something like 50 I think is is an ideal like area mm-hmm. um, for a lot of bootstrap. Again, this is not rules. This is the rules of thumb, not rules. Yeah, um, it helps. It's just again like these are all things that help um, help help um, something that's that's difficult to do anyway.
So there's yeah. loads more. Like you said, charge charge annually because then you get the money now. And if you get the money now, you can spend it now or, or quit your day job. And that makes all the difference. So annuals are huge. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you there because you were going on a roll. But maybe to bring us back, because the, the way you started WP Engine is a little bit of a legend. Uh, and this is the way I tell the legend. Let me know, <laughs> let me know if it's correct. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so the, the way I tell the legend is that you had a blog called a smart bear and this was uh you know uh quite a popular blog and every time you would put it on hacker news it would go down right and uh this is uh as you talked to your friends you noticed that this was a common thing if you had a popular blog and then got a bunch of traffic it would go down right and then there was also the other issues that everyone faces with faces like malware somehow finds its way on your site and yeah. then you have to, you know, go in and it's, it's really awful removing it from the site once it's on. And so you had this idea and you decided to validate it by asking people if this was a problem. But you didn't stop there. If they said, like if you were talking to me and you said, hey, Justin, you have a blog, right? Yeah. Uh, does it go down on Hacker News? Yes. Do you have problems with malware? Yes. You said, well, I'm going to start this. What do you think? And I would say, oh, that sounds really nice, like everyone does. And then you asked yeah, right. for a check. Okay, yeah. will you give me a check yeah. for 49 Now, is that true? Yeah. If you don't ask for the money, uh, everyone says it's a good idea because they want to be nice. Um, and also because your idea is probably pretty good. In other words, there's a reason why you think you're, you're excited about your own idea. Because there's probably some good stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Legitimately. And other people will see that and say, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. It's a very – but the problem is you're not validating the business when you do that. Yeah. You're validating whether the idea is – it resonates at all, which is something because maybe it doesn't. So that is something. But it's not nearly enough to know whether the business will succeed because for business to succeed, not only does the idea make sense, but also will you be able to get to them and talk to them in their language, like using words that they understand? Will you be able to capture them in three seconds on the homepage because they'll bounce off if they don't understand this is for them? Will they stay once they're there if it's a recurring revenue business? There's a lot of companies who are like, we're growing really fast. And you fit, you find out, oh, yeah, they add 500 customers a month. They also lose 200 customers a month. This is a terrible business, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. Do they really want it? Do they really stay? So there's lots of there's lots of pieces to whether the business is actually good. So you can't stop at, is my idea good? You have to yes. go to the money. Yes. Now, that's the part of the story I know. The part is, you know, you got – now. How many checks did you get? Like five or ten or? I had I had a, I had so I talked to fifty people five zero. Yeah. I had a forty people tell me that they would pay me. Yeah. I had thirty actually pay before launch, and thus I launched with the thirty customers. Gotcha. And so once you had that information. Yeah. What happened next? I made it. You yourself. <laughs> yeah. Nobody else, just you. Well, I made the software, and then I did have um, there was a there was a guy who helped get some of the in, initial customers on board. I, I I mean I hesitate to say sales because he because he did more than that. It was more like sales and kind of marketing. You know, in the early days, you you don't really even have a title. You're just trying to, as we, as I like to say, either making it or getting rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> those are the two jobs. Yeah. So like, this is the marketing sales getting rid of it. You know, yeah. and and that's what he was doing. So he wasn't there on very day one, but but um, pretty early, helping to uh, helping to do that and. We started going to things like WordCamps. By then, there was a couple of people mm-hmm. at the company. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm quite interested in timelines um, because 
there is, the one thing I've realized is it feels like even if you have a good idea that people are willing to pay you for, your biggest thing is just lasting, right? Like making it to another day. And how long will that runway continue? When did you start actually, like you had these prepayments, when did you actually start uh, like delivering the product to customers? It was about uh, four months because I did all that stuff in the first quarter roughly of uh, 2010 and I was starting to talk about it at South by Southwest which was in March, hence the first quarter. Mm -hmm. And then we launched in May, like late May. Okay. so depending on how you want to count between two and five months, you know, from five months from like the first phone call and, and maybe two months from the last phone call. So the competition was um, like everything's screwed. Anything's better than this. Yeah. So I didn't have to have all kinds of fancy, you know, amazing intellectual property, super fancy algorithm, and everything. If I just set up WordPress pretty well, set up the server pretty well, tweak the sys control values, t- tweak how – Apache or Nginx is working. Use Nginx at all just to serve the static content. Um, cache anything in any sort of fashion. Um, make sure that all the text is gzipped. Uh, you know, just the, the kind of actually really basic stuff if, if you've made websites. If I just did those things, I'm already like way ahead of most, where most people are. Yeah. And the fact that I'm going to monitor it and when things go haywire, I'm just going to sort of figure it out. That also is like uh, heaven to most people. I mean, most people who have websites obviously are not engineers, and so none of it makes any sense to them, and they don't know how to pick good consultants. Of course, just like I don't know how to pick a pancreatic surgeon. Yeah, you can't you can't interview for a, a technical field that you're not in. You just have to go with whatever you feel or recommendation. So it, uh, again, it's not because anyone's dumb; it's because it's a specialization. I can't pick doctors either, so whatever. Yeah, and so so if I just did a pretty good job. Um, I didn't need, need a whole lot of magic in order for that to be pretty interesting. And so, of course, we did build unique, special things, lots of rules about security and speed and handling certain plugins and all kinds of stuff. And then later, actual products, like brand new products that are not in WordPress that we layered on top. So eventually, it became something that was unique and special over the course of a couple of years. But at the very beginning, it was like, just don't do this poorly. That's already worth 50 bucks a month, which by which was the first price point, 50 I- Fit 99 and 249 were the three tiers when we launched. Okay. So you launch and you're just hustling. You're doing this yourself. But it still takes some time before you're making, uh, and you've alluded to this, that, that magical 10K a month, yeah. which is when most be- people say, okay, I could probably uh, do this full time. Now, were you, you, you had already had an exit at this point. So you weren't working another right. job. You were working full time. Right. On WP Engine. Right. Okay. And so working full-time on WP Engine, uh, you launch after two to five months. You've got paying customers. How long did it take to get to that point where you're, it could support you full-time and maybe this other person that you were hiring? Well, see, I cheated. Since, like you said, I had an exit already, so I didn't have to support me. Yeah. So that means I got to hire a little earlier than otherwise. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I recognize that, and I'm saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <That's a difference. laughs> um, so we I hired two people in 2011 in January. Okay. So in other words, one year in, two people. So you would you'd really call that is uh, 
you know, if, if I if I didn't have that um, to go on, it would be me and somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to be a little bit ahead. Yeah. See, it counts. It's great to have one extra hand, doesn't it? Yeah. This is why getting extra money helps. So um, uh, it didn't take that long before. So, so yeah, so it took about a year from concept. Like, again, concept is I'm still calling people to find out, like, wait, is this an idea? Mm-hmm. One year between that and, okay, we have two people here that we can pay. Yes. That the business supports. Um, that's not, that's actually pretty good in my experience with bootstrapping. Yeah. Um, yeah. again, having a thousand customers and I mean like a smart bear, my previous company that bootstrapped, I was there for seven years. I sold it in 2007. Mm-hmm. It's still alive by the way. So it's an almost 20 year comp- tech company now still alive. And it just, uh, it just got sold, resold again for $450 million. I don't have any part of that now, but the point is it's still going strong, which is really nice just to know that things continue is a good is a yeah. good thing there was value real lasting value there and that's nice right yeah anyway so so um at smart bear it took me i think two and a half years before i could hire my first person but that's because again i had to pay myself yes right um and and so yeah like it, it's typical so how long with uh, smart bear because maybe that's a, a better uh comparison before you could when you started it to the point where you could pay yourself full time it was it was about uh, it's hard to remember because that's two thousand three. Yes, <laughs> you're asking me to go really far back. Uh, I want to say it was a year. Okay, maybe maybe a little less. Okay, and um, for you at the time, this is the other problem. Context means so much. Um, what did full time mean? Ten thousand dollars a month, or did t- full time mean something lower? Uh, full time meant we, my wife and I drew a line on the bank account and said, if it goes below this, I'm just shutting it down. Okay. Uh, you're so rather than, rather than a, something like 10 K per month, it was more like it's going to do this and it just can never hit below this or else we shut it down. Otherwise you can keep trying. Okay. Now this is the business bank account. No personal oh, bank, your account. personal bank account. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So your personal which bank, is, which, which, which is linked. I mean, not linked It's a separate account, but you know, it's, it's uh, yeah. where else is the money coming from? Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. I mean, part of it is just, Jason, it's just good hearing that because that kind of color is helpful. Uh, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs can identify with that. You know, I've, I've, I've won. Many of us have significant others. Two, we know that, you know, the business starts making money and then you're like, oh, well, I could keep the money in the business and mm-hmm. do more with it or I could withdraw it as a shareholder something, you know, and then make a little, have a little bit of money to pay my mortgage. So you, you were dealing with that back then, right? Right. Sure. And... Yeah, it's uh, all normal. Yeah, everyone does this. Yeah. And so... Uh, and so... Again, so you said it took you about a year to get to the point where um, things were still fluctuating in your personal account. You're going, okay, well, hopefully this works. Well, the other thing about Smart Bear is this is before the uh, before SaaS, Mm -hmm. and it's before um, and it's before cloud, which makes SaaS. That's why it's before SaaS because it's really hard to do that without a cloud. It's very intensive and and capacity planning is hard. Yeah, takes a lot of cash. Um, It's also not recurring. It sort of is because I had 20% maintenance, which is the typical way that you do enterprise software, but not recurring in the sense that you get it again. You yeah. get 20% again. So it's okay, but it's not It's not like a re- real recurring re- revenue business the way we would define it today. Yeah. So what happened – but also it was a high price point. So what happened was it was very lumpy. 
yeah. I could easily have like a 30k month followed by a 1k month. Okay. So hence hence the like that like saying $10,000 a month I do think like that's what I always say is $10,000 a month per founder is actually what I say. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's um that's great, but with a lumpy business, you just have to work out what you think that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it an average? No, it's just your life is what it is. Yeah. Can you pay your bills? Like, that's what it is. Like, it's not math, it's life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what, what, in fact, the reason I hired the first employee there was we got an especially large purchase order from Intuit. Yeah. And so suddenly I had a huge amount of cash uh, relative to normal cash flow, like at once, I mean, yeah. and I thought, huh, what am I going to do with this? And it's just like you said, Oh, I could keep it first of all, yeah. <laughs> because this has been hard so far. Yeah. It's not looking like it's going to be easy ever, which it never is ever, by yeah. the way. Um, and so maybe, maybe I can, I can assuage my pain with some of this money, which yeah. is true. And then I thought, but nothing I could do is hire someone because even if I get it wrong and I have to fire them in four months, this will pay for that. Yeah. So Maybe I should try that. And so I did. I did try that, and so that's that's what I did. But yeah, it was that because it was that kind of business. Now, recurring revenue business. The the bad news is you don't get that huge check all of a sudden. Usually, mm-hmm. the good news is you can actually predict what's going to happen better month by month, which I couldn't do with Smart Bear when it was small. Yeah. Of course, when it's bigger, there's enough end that maybe you start to be predictable, and that's good. But when it's small, it really isn't. Just it's law of small numbers, and that's what it is. So that, but that's the nature of that business. Then also, it's a long time ago. Like, I. I don't think smart beer. I mean, it in a in a lifestyle sense, it's true that the smart beer is more relevant to the conversation. That's true. Yeah. But in a but in a um, mechanical or operational way, it isn't. Of course, like so much of this is me thinking about my situation, and and this is really what's tricky about all of this advice and even talking about any of this in the commons, is that so much of this is colored by our own experience, right? And also colored by um, uh, how we remember things and yes. also colored by, um, the, the time, which is, um, you know, some of it doesn't matter that you did it in 2003, but some of it, like you say, really does. Yeah. So I think you know, there's certain things I think are universal or timeless. For example, working with people, what does it mean to have good, a good team, a good culture, performance management, um, hiring, these kinds of things to me uh, don't matter if it's 2002 or 2018. Mm-hmm. Like a bad culture is a bad culture, and a good culture is is amazing. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Or performance management, like you have to do it, and it's hard and weird, and it's always been hard and weird, and you've always had to do it. Like yeah. that's just, that's the, that's life. It's that's so. I think there's certain things like that which do translate. Th- those learnings translate for me. Yeah. And then there's many many other things, whether it's tech or operational or otherwise, that don't. Also, you left out luck, which I think is a big deal too. Yeah, uh, I'm certainly lucky as well as uh, as well as uh, applying a lot of effort. I'm also lucky. You left out privilege, which I'm also, and so are you. Yeah. Uh, although my hair's not as good as yours, but still, <laughs> uh, and and uh, my hair wasn't even as good as yours when I did smart bear. So there you go. You're already a leg up or I'll, head up. I guess. I'll just t- but, take that to the bank. <laughs> absolutely, cash it in. Um, also, um, I think you're absolutely right about memory being bad. I agree. Also goals. In other words, what did I want to do with Smart Bear? The answer is I just wanted like to have my own job and no one tells me what to do. Mm-hmm. That's literally like I wanted to make as much money as I could. Yeah. And also not deal with anybody. Yeah. That's a pretty negative statement. It's also true. That's what the, that's what the deal is. All 
All right, so that is part one. I'll be publishing part two next week. Uh, you can also watch this on YouTube. I've included that link in the show notes, productpeople.tv slash 97. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. If you have comments about the show, be sure to tweet me. Um, you could also tweet uh, Jason Cohen on Twitter. And uh, be sure, if you're interested in joining the Mega Maker bootstrapping community, be sure to go to megamaker.co or megamaker.co slash club and you will get an invite very soon. All right. Thanks again, folks. I'll see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.